What you are about to hear is a labor of love, our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rock Strikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it's time to do the top 10 Van Halen albums of all time, according to me. This is my opinion because it's my show, and I figured, you know, I honestly, I said this on the last episode, I was already planning on doing this, but of course we've had this heartbreaking, crushing, tragic week here dealing with the loss of the now late great Edward Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen. So no better time, honestly, than to just kind of celebrate the man and his music. I'm not doing this to get any kind of attention or anything like that. I'm not doing this to trend heavily. I'm doing this for the love. It's absolutely for the love. Because honestly, if it wasn't for Eddie Van Halen and what he did with Van Halen, especially initially, then I probably wouldn't be sitting here doing a show right now. I wouldn't have the kind of music collection that I have. So I owe a lot to the man. So hopefully these shows will do him some justice. All right, let's get back into the countdown right here. Coming in at number 10 on the official Rock Strikes 10 Rocket Rank special for the Van Halen catalog, we have an album that was released on May 24th, 1988, and it was a number one album. Uh, by the way, for the record, and I failed to mention this on the last episode, Van Halen 3, which came in at number 12, to recap, peaked at number 4 on the Billboard album charts in America, and the number 11 entry for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge did debut and peak at number one on the American Billboard album charts. So here's another number one album here for Van Halen. Like I said, released on May 24th, 1988. It's OU812. And yeah, I just never had that big moment with this album. And I definitely kind of came into this album again with fresh ears. I hadn't listened to it top to bottom in a while. But, you know... I think it's aged pretty well, but I'm still very thrown off and disappointed with the final production, the final mix. I'm definitely a production nerd. And, you know, I it's not a bad song at all, but I've just never liked When It's Love. I To me, like this being like the big lead-off single for it, as, as far as it being on MTV, uh, it's always put me off this album. Uh, because, you know, it's sad. There's a lot of really cool rockers on this album, but that song is so just kind of fluffy and wimpy to me and it's got some good moments in it and like I said it's not a bad song it's catchy enough but it's just I think the overplayedness of it and just what it is has always put me off this record 
I actually like the other singles that came out for it. I like Finish What You Start and things like that. I like that kind of different angle. But yeah, I think it's just between that and just the production. And I think even Eddie said years later that he didn't like the production on it either. That being said, it was produced, co-produced by Van Halen and Don Landy, his trusted engineer all the way back from the early 5150 days. I know Don was in there for a long time with the band, uh, but I think it's just the thing about it's the late 80s and it's like, hey, let's make it nice and safe for radio. That Everybody was pretty much like that with very little exception, so that probably pretty much explains why the album sounds the way it does. But as I like to do here on the show, we're going to go deep on this record right here at least somewhat deep. Definitely going to play you my favorite deep cut from this record, but also play you a single that I really like off of it as well. I'll kind of try to do that with all these albums, you know, not not to be a total asshole. It's like, you know, some of these songs are undeniable. You, you kind of got to play them, and I never get sick of them either. So if it's a single that I'm not sick of, you're probably going to hear it here on this countdown for sure. Uh, but yeah, of course, feel free to play along. Tell me what your favorites are off of each record. I'd love to hear from you. I, I always love to hear from you. You guys always make my day when you write to me. Uh, But yeah, to kick off this episode and kicking off the top 10 portion of the Van Halen Catalog Countdown right here, we're going to kick things off with AFU Naturally Wired. Thank you. 
Finishing up that twofer right there to represent the OU812 record, coming in at number 10 on our countdown for the Van Halen catalog. That was Black and Blue. The twofer you just heard was AFU, Naturally Wired, followed by Black and Blue. I freaking love the song Black and Blue. It's just got a great feel to it. I love the groove. I love that riff. I love even the verse riff. Just one of my favorite Eddie things. And it was kind of always one of my pickup Van Halen guitar songs. When I'd pick up a guitar, I would play that a lot because I can play a good amount of it. Obviously, I've never been able to even come close to playing any of his solos. But anytime there's a riff like that that I can play, I always love that. So big fan of Black and Blue specifically for that reason. But I think it's a cool rock song. So yeah, OU812 got an 85, a nice 10-point jump from the previous album on our ranking system. And honestly, for me, for my opinion, from here on out, the top nine records right here, I think are all must-owns. Absolutely. These other ones you can cherry-pick off of, but I think you need to own these top nine albums for sure. If you don't have these songs in your collection, you are doing it wrong, in my opinion, because we're jumping up to 90 points, and I've always said on these Rock and Rank specials, Anything 90 points and above is absolutely law. So yes, coming in at number 9 right here is an album that was released on January 24th of 1995, and yet another number 1 album by this band. You gotta hand it to the Sammy years. Every album that he did with the band while he was in it, they all debuted at number 1. So you can't take that away from him right there. So any, any criticisms you have, if you like to go that route in the success and sales route, you could be like, oh yeah, Every Sammy album was number one, so yeah, there's that. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the Balance record. I had a nice journey with this album. I was in high school, and not that it was terribly cool to like Van Halen, but there wasn't anything that wrong with it either. They they definitely got a pass. I, I, I believe that they did. Uh, but yes, especially because this was the first time I ever got to see the band live. I saw them on this tour a couple of months after the album came out, and I loved it. I, I know they probably weren't getting along that well during the tour, but it didn't matter. I couldn't tell when I was there, and I just thought it was tremendous. So, yeah. Like I said, it came out in January 1995. was recorded at the 5150 Studios, but also recorded a little bit Little Mountain Studios in Vancouver because Bruce Fairbairn produced the album, and I know some of the Sammy vocals were finished up in Canada just to kind of give him a break from being in the 5150 bubble. Because much like the code says, if you stay there too long, you might go a little bit crazy, according to him. But yeah, once again, I love the Balance album. We were talking about production as it concerns OU812. Uh, this thing is anything but a bad production. It is a stellar production. I have long said, with the exception of 1984, this is the best sounding Van Halen album out there. It just has everything going for it from a technical and production standpoint. If you're into that sort of stuff, this is one you either want to put on some headphones or a really great stereo system, this thing will tear your head off. And I think the songs are there. Like I said, it's good enough to get 90 points in my ranking system, so you should definitely seek out balance. If you've never given it a proper chance, do yourself a favor. I'm going to play probably two of the more heavy-handed songs in there. There's actually some fun tracks on it too, but I kind of like the theme on these two songs. I think it sets the tone for the album pretty well. And uh, I actually, I was uh, flipping around, uh, Sirius is doing a great job. They, they started a little temporary Van Halen channel for those who want to just listen to Van Halen around the clock, which is always a pretty good idea, uh, but it's probably just a temporary tribute channel for Eddie. But I heard the second song of this too for uh, the other day, and I never get sick of this song. I actually played it recently on the show, so you probably know what the second part of this twofer is. But we're going to kick off the twofer with the opening track on Balance right here, 
And just don't be thrown off by the chanting monks at the beginning. It does turn into a Van Halen song. So here you go, kicking off this twofer for balance, we've got the seventh seal.
All right, two bits of greatness right there from the balance record. We started off with the seventh seal and then right into Aftershock, which is such an underrated gem in the Van Halen catalog. That thing just burns, man, right there at the end. And the band's going crazy and Eddie's just killing it. And then just when it peaks and he just can't take it anymore, he just goes back down. They drop into that opening riff right there. That thing is perfection. Love it. There's some Aftershock for you. Oh, so damn good. And coming in here at number eight, we actually have an album that points-wise definitely tied balance. It got another 90 points right here. But, you know, I definitely, I think it's more, a lot of the nostalgia kind of plays into some of these. Not all of them, but some of them right here. So, but yeah, I'm going to give it to the seniority here. Coming in at number eight is 5150, released on March 24th, 1986. Of course, the number one album, co-produced by Mick Jones, Don Landy, and Van Halen. This was the big proving point that Sammy Hagar was not going to be the end of the band, that they were going to continue on. And, you know, there's a lot of great stories and infamous stories revolving around the making of this album. There's a lot of cool books out there to reference for it as well. Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie is a really good read. And honestly, if you want to get a really in-depth and really hear some of the dirt, definitely read by Sammy Hagar. That thing, uh, it's pretty wild, I gotta say. <laughs> Even Sammy's initial impressions of the band is pretty bizarre. So, yeah, it's it's uh, they're both very interesting reads uh, for different reasons. But yeah, I, I love 5150. And like I said, it's, you know, obviously you can tell here if you've got your little logic puzzle out or you've got your records out, you've probably realized, hey, we're at the end of the Sammy albums. Yes, we are. I've always said I was more of a Dave man. Not that I don't love Sammy, but... There's not one Roth album that I love less than one of the Sammy albums. That's just the way it is for me. And, uh, you know, let me know how you feel about it. But yeah, number eight is 5150. I love listening to this album. Sans the last song, Inside, I've never had much love for at all. I think it's kind of a nothing throwaway song. An obvious dig at Roth, and I don't dig it uh, for that reason, but also it just kind of stinks. Uh, but the rest of the album is, is pure magic, so it's great. Played Best of Both Worlds on Part 1, the live version from New Haven, Connecticut. But I've got plenty of other favorites here. I love all of the singles off of 5150, but I'm going to go deep on here because maybe, obviously you haven't heard these songs as much, especially if you dip around on the radio and even Sirius. You definitely heard the singles a lot, and all the singles are great. But these right here I love, and the second song on this twofer contains absolutely one of my favorite Eddie riffs of all time, and hopefully it's yours as well. But before that, we're going to kick off the twofer here with probably the fastest, most metal-esque Van Halen song ever. This is Get Up.
There's a great twofer right there to represent our number eight selection, 5150. That was Get Up, followed by the title track, 5150, right there. And one of my podcasting cohorts, a fellow podcast brother in there, Eric Miller, a great guy as well. Uh, He said that 5150 was his favorite Van Halen song online the other day. So, man, that's a great choice. And like I said, it's one of Eddie's best compositions honestly i know we usually reserve that phrase for classical artists but the man was a composer for sure and yeah that 5150 riff is so great and it's just a really cool catchy song on top of it you can be the best player in the world but if you don't have a great song to back yourself up then you know you're not really doing it right honestly you know especially if you want to make some money in the music business (laughs) but uh yeah that all being said i understand art versus success but yeah, love it. 5150 right there. And now I'm probably going to get some hate for this one right here, but we are getting into the David Lee Roth era, and for the rest of the way, of course, it's going to be all Roth and all Van Halen. <laughs> this is where I say, well, something had to come in last. Uh, so this is an album that's very well loved by a good amount of the fan base, especially the old school fan base. There are some people that say this is their favorite Van Halen album ever, and I'm not going to argue with them. Just because it's their opinion doesn't mean it's wrong. It's funny to say that, and I like saying those things. But, you know, if if this is your favorite Van Halen album, then great. Awesome. But, you know, sorry it's solo on my list. There's just a couple of songs on here that just don't hit the mark for me. Uh, But, yeah, it's still tied for 90 points with the last two albums. Yes, it did tie point-wise with Balance and 5150. But that's how it is. So here you go. An album that is only 10 days younger than I am. I was born on March 13th, 1979. This album came out on March 23rd, 1979. Produced by Ted Templeman. Of course, the classic lineup of Dave, Eddie, Alex, and Michael. I am stalling. Yes, Van Halen 2. My least favorite David Lee Roth album. But still, it's 90 points. It's law. So I'm not hating on the album. That's just the way it comes in on the countdown, so leave me alone. It's my show. But hopefully you'll be intrigued to find out what my two favorite songs here off of Van Halen 2 are. We're going to kick off the twofer with a very obvious song, and this is one of those instances where I gotta play the single, not because I gotta, but because I wanna. This is an undeniable song right here, so then we're going to come in here with a really cool, deep, heavy track that I love off of Van Halen 2 as well. See if you can guess it before I get to it. But for now, it's time to dance the night away.
little scorcher right there that song could scorch the earth right there light up the sky from van halen 2 of course we kicked off the twofer with dance the night away on wnbc yeah and uh yeah light up the sky right there i actually read somewhere and i don't know if they ever went through with it but i heard that anthrax was thinking of or maybe even have recorded a cover of light up the sky so imagine hearing anthrax do that i would love for that to come out i'm assuming that if they've recorded it it will be out at some point here to pay tribute to Eddie. So look for that. Hopefully, maybe it'll be out. You heard it here first if it is a thing. So yeah, let's make that happen. But yes, that was for the album Van Halen 2. I do love Van Halen 2, just not as much as these other albums. Uh, before I dig a hole even further, let's get into album number six right here. And once again, this is another favorite album of hardcore fans. I remember reading back, uh, there was this amazing killer Guitar World interview back in the mid-90s, where Billy Corgan interviewed Eddie Van Halen. Try to find that online, uh, or it's even worth just buying the issue, get it off eBay or something, but I have that magazine, I still have it, and it's one of my favorite Eddie interviews probably ever, and it's just really cool to hear him talk to Billy, and they're really talking as equals, and uh, I love both of those guys, but it's just, it was just a great interview, and I remember on, there was a side sub-article within the article where Billy did an essay on this album saying it was his favorite Van Halen record. So, hey man, that's awesome. Uh, it's only my number six, but it's still great. We're jumping up points here. Got 94 points out of 100. So, I mean, these this is upper echelon rock right here. Uh, but yeah, only coming in at number six, but it is the Fair Warning record. Yes, this album was released on April 29th of 1981. Peaking at number five on the Billboard album charts. And by the way, I had failed to mention Van Halen 2 peaked at number six. Uh, but yeah, I like Fair Warning. It, people always say it's a dark record. I think it's just a brother-sister companion to Women and Children First. I feel like both of those albums are pretty equally heavy in thought and in mood. But I really do believe it's one of those things where the album cover almost plays tricks on you. People literally do judge books by their cover. They, that's just a thing. You can't deny it. And I feel that people think that Fair Warning is like the heavier album of the two or even the heaviest Van Halen album ever. But I think a lot of that is the cover, honestly. And uh, this is going to be another instance where we use part of the two for to play a very obvious song. And then I'm going to play a personal favorite, which you may not be expecting here for Fair Warning. But we're going to kick things off with a song that I think Eddie said in that particular interview. This is one of the only songs he can listen to of his and still get chills every time he hears the intro riff. 
And that is an absolute fact of life. If you do not hear chills when you hear the beginning of this, especially on high volume, there might be something wrong with you. So here you go. We're going to kick the twofer off to represent the Fair Warning album with the great Unchained.
another cigarette over there. Is there anything left in that bottle? Bet you didn't expect to hear that one. I think I might have got you a little bit there, but I just dig the feel of that. I think it's a really cool kind of night-sounding jam, and they don't have a lot of those. So, yeah, I actually did pick, in addition to Unchained, which, once again, is undeniable, I went ahead and went with Push Comes to Shove to finish out representing the Fair Warning record. I just like it. It's got that cool kind of late 70s, early 80s disco reggae kind of thing going on. So I like it. So in an instance where you get to hear some cool clean guitar on Eddie's part as well. So we're showing off the diversity here of the mighty Van Halen. And that's going to do it for this episode. We're already done with part two. Stay tuned and tune back in tomorrow. And we're going to finish it off. Yes, it's going to be the top five Van Halen albums of all time in order, according to me. 
Uh, but yeah, of course, please feel free to send your own lists. Feel free to leave your list in the comments or even email them to me. That's all going to be here momentarily with the plugs done by my better half, Nola. And of course, stay tuned for the best outro song in all the podcasting world. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message us for more details or to order. U.S. or APO boxes only. For now. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all of the episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, please check out our other quality shows, including The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock, with Joey and the great Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast, with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.